You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Interstate Battery retail stores all over the United States. So whether you need a a new truck battery, which, by the way, I've heard that they are some of the best in the automotive industry, right? A truck battery, a car battery. If you need batteries for something as simple as a remote control or a unique battery for a rangefinder or one of your children's toys, uh, Interstate Batteries not only has those batteries available, if they don't have them, they can order them for you. Or if you need to find out more about a specific battery battery or the specs of a specific battery, stop into their retail store and talk with a battery specialist. These guys are very knowledgeable about what products they offer and what it is that you need for whatever battery you're looking for. So stop in to a local retail store or visit interstatebatteries.com to learn more about their company, the batteries that they offer, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So check out interstatebatteries.com. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Thomas. Joining me today are the fellas. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? So today we got some exciting new stuff that we're going to try. We are going to do a little series called Tales of the Chase. Tales of the Chase. And what it's going to do, instead of covering a specific topic, whether it be hunting, fishing, or elk hunting, or anything like that, we're going to... work on a specific story and like a specific animal or fish or something that happened and we're like i said we're gonna or even just it, an outdoor story yeah yep. an outdoor yep. story whether you know something crazy happened to you while you were hunting but instead of doing the topic based it's all going to be specific to one person and whatever happened experience they relive, yeah, the experience. relive some awesome yeah. outdoor experiences yeah, yeah like on this episode we're actually talking to he was the uh world record holder and state record holder for the missouri river red horse fish that he caught in i believe what town 2016 yeah 2016 yep and so it's it's since been beaten but i mean it it doesn't matter. He still held that record for I think two years, yeah, and stuff. And he's still and he's going after it again. He he says in the episode. So just look forward to that. Uh, some new things coming down the pipeline. Yeah, and that's that's what these episodes are going to be. Is like Micah just said. Just you know, imagine sitting around a campfire listening to, to your grandpa telling you a story uh, about what he did when he was a kid and, and this awesome hunt or awesome adventure he had. And this, yep. this is what these are going to feature today. We're starting it off with the river red horse. Um, it's a cool fishing story. A lot of people don't know what a river red horse is. Um, hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll find out. Um, but they're, you know, they're a fish that is found in rivers and, and streams and stuff like that. And mostly the Ozarks and they're kind of difficult to catch and, mm-hmm. You know, they're not as a, as abundant as a as a bass or a, a crappie, so um, we thought it'd be a cool episode. Um, our guest today is, his name's Dan Schmitz. He's from Central Missouri uh, area, I think Jeff City area. So um, 
you know, what's cool is our first Tales of the Chase episode you're going to hear, uh, you get about like seven stories in one. Yeah. Because he, he tells he us more than ones. just the Red Horse. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is fun. You know, I, this is one of my favorite things to do is listening to stories. Yeah, I mean, my favorite podcast, even not ours, but the ones that I listen to, it's it's usually around a specific story. I mean, yeah, I love hearing topics and what everybody's doing. Gear. You know, gear and all that sort of thing. But I, if somebody <laughs> can paint a good picture of a specific scenario that happened to them, those are the ones that I find most enjoyable. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. We're all probably when we're listening to this, sitting around our office, our car, at work, whatever. Driving. Wishing yeah. we were outside fishing, hunting. So – we're, we're uh, taking that mindset, uh, that imagination, a little bit out of work and or whatever you're doing, and into the into the outdoor experience. Yeah, it should be fun too. I mean, what more? You know, for me, when I'm driving and I'm listening to to a story, I I I start playing that movie in my head. Like yeah. The the picture the the person's painting and and it's it's like watching a show. It's like watching their hunt or their their fishing story. You know, whatever. Um, you know, some of these episodes might be 30 minutes long. Some might be an hour and a half. We're not going to limit them to, uh, what they're going to be because they all might have the story is what the story is. Yeah. You could exactly. have a dude that catches a, uh, well, well, like there's a state record Brown trout that the uh, name Frank that's since been broke that they had, they knew the fish, mm-hmm. you know, so that's got more backstory. You could have a deer that someone's known for five years. So there could be a lot to the story and, yep. and those are going to be a lot of fun to hear. And there's going to be some a little bit like Dan's where he didn't know he was going to be catching a state and world record that day. Yeah. He no, went he fishing. Yep. yep. That's all there was to it. He had a half day, and he had the opportunity, and he, he went fishing, and that's pretty awesome. Well, that's what he called himself, the opportunistic fisherman. Yeah. I mean, For sure. Yeah. And he wasn't even planning on – he didn't even think he had – he just thought he had a big fish till his uh, <laughs> buddy told him. He's like, that's a really big fish. <laughs> and so he you just kind of – Yeah, that's when he started – Hey, maybe I should look this up and yep. you know, things came together. So it's pretty neat how it all went down. Yeah. So anyway, I hope y'all enjoy the show and, and and like I said, when you see these episodes come out that are gonna be titled Tales of the Chase, um, they're gonna be a little more story based and not so much topic based. Um, which, you know, can be a little change up and hopefully y'all like it. Uh we sure enjoy listening to them. So. Give us some feedback on it. Yeah, you like if, it, stories you want to hear, got a good story. Yeah, if you got a good story, get Hell in yeah. contact with us, message us. You know, there's plenty of ways to tell us and give us a little breakdown of, you know, something that cool or some big animal that you've harvested or just whatever it is. And uh, maybe we'll have you on. Yeah, yeah, because I love stories, man. That's, that's why we started this. Yep. So um, enjoy it and... You guys got anything else before we start this? Make sure you like and subscribe. I do like and subscribe. Thank you very much. <laughs> wasn't talking to you. It's oh, talking oh, to you're talking? Okay. listeners. Gotcha, gotcha. My bad, my bad, my bad. Now we don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so enjoy the episode. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Welcome to the show. Got a good one today. Today is our first Tales of the Chase uh, about a record river red horse. 
um, in, in the great state of Missouri. So this we're excited to do these. Um, we want to talk about stories of awesome fishing adventures, awesome hunting adventures, adventures in the outdoors, and, and this is our first one. We're excited to do it. Um, I found this guy, Dan Schmitz. Um, he's got the, or he did have the state and world record river redfish uh, that he caught back in April 15th of 2016. Uh, and we'll get to what a river red, or not river redfish, river red horse, my bad. We'll get to what a river red horse is um, in a couple minutes, but it's it's a really cool looking fish. And uh, at one point in time, Dan had the state and world record, at, which has since been broken, but it doesn't matter. It's still an awesome uh, story. So we're excited to, to talk to you, Dan. How's it going? Oh, it's been a busy day. Glad you guys called me up. Yeah. So um, why don't you, before we get going on, on some of these fun fishing stories that I'm sure we're about to hear, um, why don't you just introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do for a living, and then so that people can get to know you a little bit more, since we know you fish, because you're a state record holder, um, what is your favorite thing to do other than fishing? Me and my buddies call it the trifecta, and it does involve fishing. We get out early. We get our fishing on, wrap that up mid-afternoon. We like to go to a race, preferably a dirt track race in a small country town like Wheatland, Missouri, or Eldon, Missouri is a good dirt track. There you go, absolutely. Watch some good racing, have some cold drinks. Then to wrap up the trifecta, obviously trifecta means three things. We make it home to the ladies. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. They've got dinner and drinks for us back home. Effective. So if I can nail that once a summer, I'm I'm living good. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, for sure. Yep. For sure. So uh, I'm a lifelong Central Missouri resident. Um, the weed biz, I tell attention. So uh, usually when you tell them that, they're like, like grinning, like, yeah, you're in the weed biz, that is awesome. <laughs> so I have a weed spraying business. <laughs> ah, little different, little go. different. Yeah, some self-employed, which makes me very very flexible for my fishing habits so uh i consider myself a spontaneous opportunistic fisherman <laughs> i keep a pole in a couple of my trucks i got a couple small metal boats i keep at different places so my fishing typically doesn't involve a full day it may involve an hour or two so i get a lot of it in i just fish well, the other day you know we were talking and uh, i was fishing when you called me yeah he was <laughs> perfect What's your favorite thing to do other than fishing? I know you talked about the trifecta. Is that your, your idea of a perfect day other than fishing? I enjoy going on Lake of the Ozarks. I got a boat in a cabin down there. I can take a boatload of people out and, and just ride and win in my hand. We play rock and roll and old country music as loud as we can get it. That's a good day for me. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, when I called Dan uh, – Oh, last week or the week before to see if he wanted to come on the show. Um, he answers the phone, and I ask him what he's doing. He said, well, I'm fishing, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I said, well, this might be the right guy to talk to, so that's awesome. I call that city fishing. There's lots of little creeks run through my town, and they end up feeding into the Missouri River, but they're just little gravel streams, and you can pull out uh, a goggle eye, a perch, um, small bass, Almost at will. Nobody fishes in them because they just drive over them every day. They don't stop to fish them. Huh. Yeah. They're not a destination spot like you would think of a, a lake or something. Yeah, and usually where those little creeks go underneath the culvert, underneath the street, 
it's deeper and cooler and shady, so they're all stacked up right there. Just pitch a little white uh, spinner bait underneath the, the bridge, and you can catch 18 fish and 20 cast. So is that, do you consider yourself more of a stream fisherman, or do you do ponds and stuff like that as well? Oh, uh, stream would be by far the most frequent. I mean, I, I live on a little stream. The Mora River runs through the center of, of Missouri and empties into the Missouri right at Jefferson City. Yeah, It's just a small little mud bank stream, but, I mean, I've got pole lines in it. I bait them, I don't know, two or three nights a week, you know, whenever I find time to put bait on them. And mm-hmm. I catch, you know, up at six baits on catch one or two fish every morning. They're just average channel catfish, but I'm baiting them to get a big fish. You know, I, I, I'll throw all the small ones back. If I catch somewhere in the 20s, a flathead, I'll keep it to eat it. But if I catch big flatheads, I get pictures and wave them and put them back. I don't need to eat the big ones. But I've got a flathead story for you if we get to the end of that. Uh, right now is the best time, <laughs> I'd say. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. I love telling the story. So I had a little trot line out in this small river behind my house. Had a bait of the crawdads. And this river, you can throw rocks not big. So we run the lines with a little bitty aluminum boat, not much bigger than a canoe. And on this morning, I took my little girl, at the time she was 11, running the line. So I bring the trot line up slowly. I feel there's a good fish on it. And when this fish surfaces, this is a 54-pound flathead. When oh, it comes wow. to the surface, it, it changes the entire tint of the water. It's so big. And, and she, she sees it, and it sees her, and it took off underneath of our boat. <laughs> and dang near tipped us over. So I grabbed her and planted her back down in the boat. And the the, tr- the trout line pulled and pulled, and then it got tight, and I got the boat back square again. Huh. And then I got it up to the boat again, and I'm seeing I guess I got the trout line in my left hand, and I dip net it with my right hand, and drug the dip net to the outside of the boat, and then just kind of rolled it into the boat. And she said this funniest thing. She said, what is that? Because in her whole 11 years, she had never seen a giant flathead and if you've seen one they don't really look like a fish right yeah. they're just they're so fat and the girth on them is massive so yeah we uh we landed a 54 pound flathead in a little bitty jumbo we were whooping and hollering and that's wild we got it to, we uh we drug it up to the house and put it in a stock tank we, you know put some cold water in there and let it swim in there and everybody got to see it and we kept it i think two days and it was, it was perky turned it back loose in the next four days, I caught two more big flathead on the exact same hook, third hook, third hook from the bank each time. Oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome! That's crazy. All in a little, yeah. little, little, little river that you could throw a rock across. Yeah, you can stand up, and it's hardly over your head anywhere. I'll be damned. It's, no, it's notorious for big flathead. It uh, it gets fished quite a bit with people putting pole lines and trout lines, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that so. That's that's a photo I want you to see sometime of that flathead. It's a nice big fish. Yeah, no doubt. I uh, you sound like like a, a full on fisherman. Like you you fish multiple days a week and you really get after it. Yeah, but like I mentioned a bit ago, I don't ever fish for for time. Like I can bait my limb lines. Takes me twenty minutes. I can run them. Takes me twenty minutes. So I can do all that and still have a full work day. So I just I call it an opportunistic fisherman. I just I fish for half an hour to an hour frequently yeah well it's i mean it's a break you know it's fun i mean if you wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it i mean yeah the last two weeks 
we floated the 11 point river and then we floated the Niagara river caught smallmouth almost at will on the 11 point really just throwing a, a little bitty white 88 cent little spinner bait from walmart i buy them all the time that's awesome they're small you know they're six eight inch smallmouth bass but they're fun yeah oh anything i mean it's one of those things that when you're fishing is as long as you're catching something it keeps the day entertaining keeps the fun going yeah, it's whenever you're not catching anything, that's when it's like, okay, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard anybody complain of catching too many freaking fish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's usually the other way around. They're, they're not catching anything, so, which is mostly me every time I fish. Well, we got to deal with the kids most of the time anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I'm fishing, my kids are fishing. So if my kids are fishing, that means I'm not fishing. Nope. Because <laughs> yeah. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, you're dealing with a broken hook or a daddy I got stuck and yeah, yeah. Or my son trying to eat the worms himself or <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah, I've got my two girls more hooked on fishing than my boy. He uh, he'll fish, but he doesn't let him do it on his own. He'll go if I bring him with me. But my twenty uh, year old, she keeps two poles in her her car all the time. <laughs> usually, if I can't find my tackle, I know it's in her car. So <laughs> that's awesome. You know where it went. There you go. Yeah, I build them all a little a little small clear plano box of stuff all the time just keep it full of little things yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool now have you grown did you grow up fishing i know you said you grew up in central missouri did you grow up fishing i mean what you know what i don't know grew this love yeah. of of doing this sort of stuff for you yeah i grew up fishing for sure my my family has a home on the osage river which is here in my hometown and I live on the Morrow River, and I, my folks lived on the Morrow River. Um, we've always had people that had lake homes at Lake Ozark, so lots of chances to fish. I mean, there's streams every corner here, you know, and there's ponds. I've fished more ponds when I was younger than I do now. Ponds and small lakes, you know, 10-acre lakes. Right. Um, I think my dad took me to a lot of these small small creeks around my hometown, and, you know, we'd go there with probably just a bobber and a worm and catch you know, catch perch and then catch crawdads with a bit in it just for fun. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say my, my dad was a, a big, big fisherman. My grandpa was. He he had some fish stories. You know, he he lived on the Osage River, I think, 10 years of his retirement. He spent he lived down there full time, so he had lines in all the time. But uh, my dad, would he would do a lot of trot line fishing for the church would have a fish fry each fall. Think about this. Back in those days, the church fish fry, the fish would be out of the river. <laughs> they buy them now, you know, they buy that small yeah. business. But, uh, yeah, him and his buddies, they put out trot lines with cotton seed. You familiar with that? Nope. No, no that's that's new to me. It's almost unheard of now, but cotton seed, best I can describe it to you, it's, it comes as a slab, maybe an inch thick by two foot square. And you cut it with a bandsaw into a little two-inch blocks, Okay. drill a hole in it. Now that's your bait, a little two-inch by two-inch square with a hole drilled in it. And you put that that cottonseed cube on a hook on a trot line with two hooks. And it kind of dissolves in the water real slow and lets off this cottonseed, I guess, uh-huh. like an oily substance. And you catch buffalo. Really? They would, they would catch easily, easily 20 to 25 buffalo each morning and they'd do this for about four days in a row and then they have all the fish they need. So they were, you know, they were working age dads, you know, they would catch these fish early in the morning and, and clean them and, you know, take us back home and they'd go to work. 
Right. Buffalo. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Buffalo's kind of in that, in that, kind of in that red horse family. You know, they kind of a bottom feeder. Yeah. Okay. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of the red horse. Yeah. That that's uh, this is a cool story. I, I mean, I I'll kind of give a background about how I I met Dan or or found Dan. Uh, just through happenstance, I was on Missouri Department of Conservation's website, and I I found this little tab at the bottom, which people should go watch these videos. They're called uh, fish videos or fish stories, I think. And Dan Dan caught this river red horse. Um, as a, as a state record back then, and the Department of Conservation put out this three-minute-long um, story about each each fish uh, story, and I thought yours was really cool. Um, so I just I happened to do some freaking Google search, and lo and behold, it was, it was Dan's cell phone number. So I just gave him a call, and now we're talking to him. So um, <laughs> Dan got stalked by yeah, me. Yeah, you got stalked by me, dude. <laughs> So not the first time <laughs> the the uh, what's cool is why don't you explain to people what a river red horse is because you know we're not we're not talking about a largemouth bass or something like that now this thing is just as big as these bass mm-hmm. but you know a lot of people don't know what a river red horse is mostly because they're not near as a, as abundant or in the places a lot of people fish so. For some of those folks that have no idea what the hell we're talking about, why don't you just explain what a red or red horse is? Yeah, I'd say they are pretty abundant, but they're not targeted, and they're hard to catch, and only when they're spawning can you really catch them. So they live in your bigger rivers like the Osage and Missouri, and you simply don't have a lot of luck getting them to bite except in the springtime when they're spawning. They come out of those big rivers, they swim up a gravelly tributary, and they usually sit right below some riffles in a little deeper pool. And you, you can tie land out there with just a dab of worms, really all it takes, with a small weight. Um, usually it's, oh, you know, six, seven foot deep at the most. These aren't deep streams. Yeah. And uh, so a red horse is, you know, kind of like a sucker. Got his lips on the bottom of his head, and he's a scaly fish. And he's got, you know, red fins and a red tail. And they are targeted because they are very good eating. Yeah, they're bony. If you know how to, you know, you fly them, yeah. you okay. flip them, leave the skin on them, and you score them, and then you cross-score them again, and then all the bones will dissolve in your fryer. And some of the people that live uh, near these streams with a red horse are prolific. They've actually bought a machine that, that scores it, scores them. They just run the slab through there and it scores it. That's pretty cool. They catch so, lots of So what kind of... People as, red horse fish food. So what... And I want red horse fishing yeah, what would you compare it to as far as taste-wise? Would it be more like a catfish or a crappie, or what would you think? Or walleye. Got... Walleye. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah. yeah that... it's, got, it's got walleye texture. I'm in. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I'm down. I am down. The walleye, yeah. is, I it, mean, that's one of my favorite. So. And we're that's... catching them in the, in the spring of the year, so the water's still very cold and clear, you know, and clean. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, like a July river. Right. So I, I went fishing that day just to catch a bucket full of meat. And, uh, I mean, we're getting a record fish. I never even thought about it. My buddy lives on this stream, so he stays in tune to when they're spawning. And he gave me a text or a call that week, and he said, hey, the river 
seven, which is usually during turkey season. So sometimes you can go down there, you know, and bag a bird, you know, at daybreak, and then go catch your red horse, and then still be home at noon. Oh, that, that that that's a good day right there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I when I caught the fish that day, I I put him in my cooler, and I was sitting there fishing for some more. And uh, the fellow that calls me, he he pulls up and comes down the riverbank to check on me. And he looked in my cooler. And he said that's a big explicit red horse you know and he, he walked away he came back turned and looked at it again he goes god dang he said, that's big he goes i gotta go back to work huh. well, he, he said that in such a tone i thought well maybe i should look up the river red horse record so i googled it up on the phone and and uh i think the previous record was just a bump over eight and looking at this fish there on the side of the creek i thought it was i thought it was well over 10 pounds mm-hmm. so um I picked stuff up and then I got I got about halfway home, and I found a, a nice MFA type feed store and I went in there and asked them if they had a certified scale keyword certified scale, right? Because you've heard of people having these record fish, and they weigh them and the scale hasn't been certified by the Department of Agriculture, so your record doesn't count. Right. I've read stories like that, so they're like yeah, it's here's our certification sticker, it's up to date. They said yeah, bring it in. We put a little piece of towel down or something on their scale. And I think I believe then it weighed a little more than than what I got it rec- recorded at because that was at an MFA and then I had to drive into Jefferson City and this is Friday at four something at a state office you know people aren't around anymore right. <laughs> they're going fishing so <laughs> I found uh, a couple you know kind of newbies there that were more like more like summer intern help versus full time up and told them. You know, I'm headed that way, and I think I got a state record, and I, I want you to help me get it verified. And she's like, sure, yeah, come on, you know, meet me in the parking lot. So we took it across the street to a typical grocery the Gerbs grocery store, and they <laughs> let us weigh it right there on their deli with a little piece of that wax paper down. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, she recorded on it. She was like witness per se. And she took a couple scales because they got a verified species. And a couple of photos, and I tried to get the fish back in the river alive, but he was he was dead by then. Oh man, yeah, it happens. But uh, so I I had it mounted, and the taxidermy he didn't do a slam dunk job, but you know it's it's all right. Cool. Well, yeah. so what about I'm, the actual event? I mean, I know I I watched a, a replay, but how did how did you catch him? I mean, I know the story already, but what you know people that are listening haven't haven't heard that yet. So what what happened? How'd you end up getting him? I put in a, I put in a half a day's work. I drove down to my fishing spot. I stopped on the way and bought a container of worms. Um, I have a typical medium action, kind of like a bass pole, open face reel on it. I think I had 15 pound test. Slip sinker, cast it out in maybe six, eight foot of water. Set that pole down between some big rocks, wedged it in there. Let the line settle in, you know, tighten the line up. Got my second pole ready. Threw that out. Watching my first pole at the corner of my eye, and it went flat down to the water. And it's, it was bowing, bowing. Mm. I mean, it hooked itself, basically. And I picked it up with my left hand. And I'm a right-handed person, so. But I had him, you know, I could feel him jerking. And I knew it was a really a good fish, bigger than average, you know. Uh-huh. So I just dropped my second pole and let him. Power didn't take long to haul him in, 10 minutes at the very most. And I got him up there to the to the shore. And I, don't, I didn't bring a bit net, you know, I'm fishing for a few red horse. 
and I had a good sized cooler there, so I just dumped all the contents out and I kind of got the cooler half submerged and forced the fish into there. And once I got him into there, then I, I just took the cooler up to the high bank so I wouldn't lose him. Then I hooked him. Yeah. And then went back to fishing. And so, I didn't know it was a, I didn't know it was a record. I just knew it was a good fish. You knew it was big. Catch more. Right. So what's a typical? I right. mean, on an average fish, I mean, red horse you would catch. I mean, this thing's nine pounds, thirteen ounces. What what would a, you know, just your average day to day fish your red horse be? Two to three all the time is what you usually catch. It seems like they're always all the same size. Two to three, two to three. Okay. It's kind of like with bass fishing. Then. That's I what mean, I was, yeah. You, you go fish your bass pond or your farm pond, and you're catching two and. You know, two pounders. You know, yeah, pound little, little fellas. Yeah, and then every once in a while, Hercules shows up or something. <laughs> right. and you got that ten pounder. So that's so a little more to the story. So I'm going down to a small, tight knit little town, very, very tight knit community, fishing in their back door basically. And I pull a record out of their local creek, uh-huh. and it kind of got under their skin, I think. So the town went to fishing. They're going to keep the record in their hometown, and it wasn't too long that a 11 year old boy caught a bigger one really close to where I was. And I'm happy he did. I mean, 11 year old right. catching record. Awesome. And, uh, they were right on the phone to let me know that I'd been beat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun part about competition, right? Yeah. yeah. I've seen the picture of his fish. It looks much bigger than, than the weight shows it, but, but, uh, yeah, he, he got a good fish, but I tell you, I think I'll get it back. I believe, I believe I'll get the record. You, go, you going tar- back after it, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing a 14 pounder as my. Oh, man. you know what's what I read, which is what what's cool is you know both of these these state and world records. By the way, these were the one that you caught in six, 2016 was on April what April 15th 2016. Right. Was a state and world record at nine pounds 13 yeah, ounces. Not, not just state world world record. Yeah. And then the one the 11 year old boy caught in 18 that that broke your record. Um, was also caught on the exact same river or a creek or whatever you want to call it. And yeah. so somebody must be putting some roids or something in the in the Miracle river road. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, and that's there's, what people need to realize. These are state and world records, you know. The Department of Conservation, it was their idea to apply for the world record. I think they wanted to do it to, you know, bring some fishing notoriety to Missouri, which they, they actually – called me and they said, yeah, we'll pay you, you know, your register, your whatever, your fee. You got to, of course, pay a fee to apply to, for the record, right? Sure. Of course. You know, we'll pay your, pay your fee if you fill out the paperwork. And I said, sure. So the forum was really, um, I think it was more designed for big offshore records because it was like, you know, name of the boat, name of the boat captain and the type of tackle and the name of your reel and your guide and like <laughs> In a <laughs> so so what's what's the name of your reel? <laughs> Look yeah. at me! Look at me! Yeah. I'm the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a fluger. <laughs> yeah. Zebco 33. <laughs> you know? Zeb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's awesome. So you you took it to Jeff City and she did that that way you know the the scale deal at the the Gerbs there for you and yeah. you know at what point did you. Did I, did I guess did it hit you that you had a state record at least at that moment? Was it about that time, or did you already pretty much know it by the time you got down there? Well, I knew it when I was halfway back, and I stopped at that MFA store, and uh-huh. they, you know, they they came up with the nine pounds, maybe fourteen or fifteen ounces there. He lost a little weight on the way into town, I guess. So you know, I knew the, the previous record. I had it there on my phone. I had looked it up, so I was pretty certain I had it. 
and that was an exciting time. I think driving from that MFA to the conservation department by myself, I then started to sink in. I'm like, oh, that, that's cool, you know. Well, do you happen to remember, you might have said it a while ago, what the previous one was that you beat? I looked it up a while ago. It was somewhere in the eight-pound range. I, okay. Yeah. So you beat it pretty handily then. Right. And it, yeah. was caught in, it was caught at the mouth of this river where this river enters the Osage. So this Tavern Creek is very much a hot spot for Red Horse because there's very few tributaries to the Osage that are gravel. You're getting pretty ballsy naming that creek so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You might you might get a little bit more competition every time you go fishing now. Careful, those people down there watch the creek. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's really cool. I mean, you know, fishing stories are all over the place in our state. And when I watched these I mean, I watched every single one of those videos that MDC put out. And they are all cool within their own ways. I mean, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of people don't know what a river red horse is. And first off, they're going to they're, they're gonna know what this is. I mean, it's a really pretty fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a, Almost has a golden, a golden tint to it. And then it's, you know, some of them can have a nice bright red tail uh, and red tips on the rest of them. I mean, you know, I'm sure he was a little different looking uh, as he got bigger, but. Um, they're really a good-looking fish, and they sound delicious. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. That, that's got me intrigued, right. honestly. You know, right when I caught, right when I caught the fish, the Missouri Conservation was putting together an issue featuring. They called it Ruffish, I believe. Which this is a, and the man writing the story. You probably know Jim Lowe. You've heard of him as a writer of the Conservation Magazine. Sure, he's a freelance writer now. He was putting together this story article. So he got a hold of me, and he's like, I'm just about to publish this. I'm putting an article in the conservation about people catching alternative fish or rough fish. So he got my interview. He did a photo shoot down there where I caught the fish. And I don't know what month I'm in the conservation, but it's, 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 it's a nice article. And then, uh, and then we fished. And the funny thing is, the rest of that day, we didn't catch red arts. We caught drum and probably a gar. I don't know. He thought it was funny because we were talking about rough fish. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jim Lowe. He's he's fairly famous with the conservation department yeah. as a writer. Yeah, yeah. We actually, when you talk about the good eating and the scales, we were at the state fair. I took the kids down to state fair. I don't know, two summers ago, maybe it was last summer. And Department of Conservation was putting on a a class, I guess you'd call it, a demonstration on eating these Asian carp that are oh, really? infesting our lakes and yeah. stuff. And they actually, apparently, if you prepare them the right way, they're pretty good eating. Hmm. But, you know, a lot of people won't eat them because they're so yeah. bony and, you know, kind of like what uh, Dan's talking about. Maybe not as bad, but... Um, Careful. People will tell you you can eat a gar, too. It's the same ones that tell you you can eat an Asian carp. <laughs> uh, you can eat anything. Yeah. 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 It just depends uh, on how hungry you are, really. Yeah. Uh, joke about eating Asian carp is, you know, you fillet it, it up in small pieces you marinate it you roll it in some buttermilk you fry it in hot peanut oil and you throw it away <laughs> <laughs> well by the end when you get to the end of the finished product it might not even be much fish anymore you just got it right. caked with toppings <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty cool you know you think about it you know, you're talking your story about that town and everything by you setting you know that record and doing that the amount of influence you had on the you know the missouri outdoors you got a whole town or whole community 
into fishing, I'm sure, for a point in time. I mean, or at least more excited at, about At least an 11-year-old boy that got you got excited about going out and fishing that may not have been uh, up until that point. So, I mean, really, you had a ripple effect in the outdoor community, whether you realize it or not, to get people outdoors and active, you know, and, and doing stuff. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it might have got them back into it, but believe me, that town is very much into red horse fishing. And this boy's grandpa is, is somewhat famous in that area for – catching a lot of them he's, he's a good fisherman okay yeah and that's and that's really cool that's i mean awesome. i always you know i like state record books and and record books because they do things like this they they create awesome stories yep. you know that we may or may not have heard before but you know now we know a guy named dan schmitz that broke this state and world record in 2016 that we would have never met before in our lives we're sitting here talking to him about his his story, and that's what's cool about having state record books and even world record books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Nate, it, I bet you, I bet you people throw away quite a few record fish and or just eat them and don't know they're a record. Guarantee it. Oh, for sure, You're probably right. And and that's I the know. thing. I'd love to hear those stories, but some of them you'll never know about because you never knew that dude that caught that, you know, giant striped bass that was two pounds heavier than the world record. I mean, you just don't know it because you'll never. He threw it back, or he didn't even think he caught a record. Wasn't even worried about it. Right. Um, yeah. So those. Uh, you said striped bass. I got a 22 pound striper here on my wall. Really? Wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. 34 awesome. inches. Got the Norfolk Lake uh, in the probably the mid 80s. Yeah. That is awesome. Norfolk Lake. Yeah. Uh, very clear lake, full of stripers. Nice. I don't had know. a man that I did some work for, and he was going to go by himself, so he had me to go. Is fish that? and not drown, and he made the way for a guide, and the guide, and he put us on fish. I don't remember that man's name, but we were, we nailed the stripers, and we limited out on them. Then he took us out to some some point. We fished straight down for Kentucky bass. I had never done that, and we huh. caught a bunch of Kentucky bass. It was a good day. Anytime you do that, we went the following day in our own boat and catch a fish. <laughs> <laughs> what state is that lake in? Is that That's not Missouri. Is I've never heard of that lake. I, I want to say ninety. Seven percent of it's in Arkansas. Oh yeah, it does. Come, it does come into Missouri so you a little were, bit. I'll be dinged. Kind of like Bull Shoals a little bit. It's yeah, yeah. And you can fish. You can fish it with a Missouri license. That's cool. Oh, okay, that's neat. Twenty-two pound striper. Ooh, that's a big fish. Yeah. yeah. We had a nine-inch shad on for bait. He put that big shad on my pole, and he's like, <laughs> "I was like, big bait, big fish." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's you awesome, seen the man. way these guys do? They they put your bait on. They let out. Where if the fish are suspended at 20, they put the bait at 18, and they let out 18 foot of line, and they tie a balloon on your line for your float. Oh, and wow. that way, when you when you wind your, your line in and your balloon gets to your first eyelet, you just keep winding because it's this line was slipped between the balloon knot. Oh, huh. so that's kind of like, how they do like deep sea fishing too, isn't it? I've uh, been very little deep sea fishing. I don't know. Well, it's more than I have, which is zero. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone a few times, and I mean, we were just doing like red snappers and stuff like that, but we didn't have it. Huh. I mean, we never had anything on our lines. I mean, you pretty much the way I did it, you'd literally drop your line as soon as it hit the bottom, you'd have fish on it, and you were reeling two in at a time. I mean, it, it's it, crazy. It, it's fun. I've it really is. It's yeah. really fun going deep sea fishing. It, I mean, side note, my grandpa, he actually had the record in South Carolina for the biggest marlin caught. And I forget what beach he was at, but and he held it for one day. 
<laughs> a guy came back and beat it the next day. So oh, that sucks. I, I couldn't tell you the numbers on it or nothing like that, but he's like, yep. And he had it mounted on his wall and everything. He's like, yep, I had the record for, a day. for, for one day. Hey, you know how many state records I've held for one day? <laughs> yeah. Zero. Yeah. yeah. So The neat. Red Horse. The Red Horse gigging record, you know, alternative method is 17 pounds. So I know there's bigger ones out there. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah the opportunity is there then for sure. Yeah, yeah. those big yeah. ones. So that's Yeah, I saw the grabbing state record. If What was it, like 13 pounds or something? And it was just by grabbing the fish. At least it says that in the state record book was grabbing it was the method. Yeah, that so, probably falls in that alternative category. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It just, there's a 13-pound oh. river You red guys horse. ever noodled? I've no. never noodled, no. I've been scared I to. <laughs> I like want to, but I'm like, man, I I just I would have that luck where I'd stick it down there and it'd be a dang snapping turtle or something like that, and I'd lose a finger. Oh, I so hope I've so. I've been nervous about it. I'd like to though. You've been. I do- used to watch a lot of videos of that, and I've never done it, but I've watched enough videos that I think I know how to do it now. But I'm not going to get a big breath of air and get the water and go underneath the root water of trees. No. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, giant fears that I have that would all come together at the same time with noodling <laughs> if i could be guaranteed the only thing down there was a fish i think i would do it oh I you know earlier trust we, myself to that. that's <laughs> all that's in there a little bit ago we were talking about asian carp right uh-huh this past uh thursday my daughter and i went behind bagnell dam boys go back there to see the big fish uh-huh. and there's people fishing down there right just spin cast fishing and this man he caught a large uh, he's either a big head carp or an Asian carp. You know, they're pretty similar, right? And he was so excited. I mean, he was taking photos and showing people. And he, and he put it on a stringer. <laughs> he's going to keep it. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> we sh- I shouldn't say we do them around here, but we don't keep them. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they get big. My God, yeah. they do. It, they're a problem oh, for sure. Last year, uh, a young man around here, they shoot them off the bridges uh, when the water's backed up, you know, mm-hmm. with their 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 bow fishing stuff i want to say it was almost 40 pounds oh wow they couldn't pull it up to the bridge they went down around you know and pulled it up to the bank i guess i saw pictures of it i was blown away that is one thing i would like to do is is do some bow fishing for him i think that'd be really fun yeah it would be i'm gonna see if i can get you guys a picture of of that big carpet that kid hit with that bow it's something yeah that's awesome absolutely yeah that that's an awesome story i mean you actually gave us like seven awesome stories right Uh, but uh, that's that's what I, I enjoy about listening to stories is one story turns into a story about a you know a, a bullhead cat and an, I mean a story about this and that and that's what I enjoy about doing these little episodes that you know are tales of the chase is the way we're going to term them is we get to hear different cool stories about awesome fishing and awesome hunting and yep um, this happens to be a uh, state and world record river red horse which has since been broken and. It sounds like uh, Dan's going to try to re-break it. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to let us know if you actually do beat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll find out about it if if you do. But that'd be that'd be pretty cool. And then, of course, someone's going to go after that, which is fun because, you know, prior to that, like you said, there's not a lot of people that go after a river red horse, and that's that's pretty cool that there's there's people in Missouri that that go after this fish and. It's a it's a good looking fish. I would too if I had any around me. Well, if I'm not mistaken, it says what eastern half of, Missouri, of the United States is where they're found. That's where their their main uh, what I read on uh, the old Wikipedia. Wikipedia. We all know that's correct. Um, 
And same yeah, Missouri like, was still pretty abundance of them. I mean, kind of same thing. Yeah, more like in, more in the Ozarks yeah. um, is what I read. So you know they don't really show up too much in other spots, but it's mostly the Ozarks. So right in Dan's stomping grounds. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's I think pretty awesome. The next most the next most popular river to catch them is uh, in the Niangua, close to where it comes into Lake Ozark, where it's still moving water. Okay. Yeah. I thought the only Have thing it. you could catch down there was an STD. <laughs> I mean. Hey, I floated that last week. And yeah, I don't think I'll go back there again. We, we came off the water at about 4 or 5 on a Friday, and I had my 12-year-old girl with me. And she's like, oh, look, Dad, they're dancing. Shield your eyes. Shield your eyes, kids. Shield your eyes, kids. Everybody has their different reasons for being outdoors. If your ass is higher than your head, it ain't answer. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yep. I've had my share of fun down there. I ain't going to lie. I've been there floating a few times. It gets a little rowdy, that's for sure. You probably went to NRO, didn't you? I've definitely been there a few times, yeah. <laughs> Camping's free. <laughs> yeah. But, I, no, I grew out of those stages, Dan. <laughs> like so he claims. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. But what do your kids get that age, and they want you to go with them? Oh, oh I know. I'm, I'm. Well, my son, he he's only two, but I can already tell. I mean, like with my daughter, I have a college fund set up for him. I have a bail fund, <laughs> so he, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a handful. I can already tell. Oh, so. that's that's funny. He is he is a little hateful. Yeah. We're gonna replay that for him when he turns about eighteen. Just <laughs> FYI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna happen. So, well, Dan, man, we really appreciate you coming on. That was that was lots of fun. I mean, that's that's exactly why I wanted to do this sort of stuff. Is we can have the this sort of fun with uh, with. Just some fishing and hunting stories. Like-minded people sharing stories. Yep, it's uh, it's enjoyable, and we really enjoyed uh, you giving us the story of this this record record river red horse that you're chasing again. It sounds like. Yep. Well, and it sounds yeah, like you have to wait up. till spring again. Now they definitely bite much better in spring. You can go catch them now, but it's a slow bite. You might you know get a bite every twenty minutes, where in the spring you get a bite. Every two minutes. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Well, good luck to you, man. We we hope you break it, and then someone's trying to chase that again. It's kind of a, a win-win, although, you know, it's pretty awesome that an 11-year-old got to uh, to break your record, and I hope he holds it as long as he possibly can. But yep. it's going to be fun to do that sort of stuff. It's That's what is fun about the outdoors. It's You push yourself in whatever way is the way you want to push Enjoyable. yourself. You know, yeah, and I think this is getting out there and fishing – don't matter if you're catching records or not, but it's fun to do this. You're outdoors. Yeah. It's, part of, it's part of the trifecta. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. The, the part old, of the trifecta. Old trifecta. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys, you got anything else for Dan? I'm good. All right, Dan, thanks a lot, dude. Thanks, hey, Dan. It was a great time. Glad right. to call. We'll see you. Bye. All right, that is it. This one's over. It's a whale of an episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to stop those, dude. Those are horrible. Nobody, nobody likes my fish jokes. <laughs> How many fish jokes you got? I, mean, I hope, just, I hope just a few. I'm about out. But thank God. Yeah. So, God. <laughs> I hope uh, hope everybody liked that that first Tales of the Chase episode. I mean, that's that's kind of what they'll be like. Just yeah, we're gonna listening throw, to some fun stories. Yeah, we're gonna throw these in every once in a while. Just give you guys a little golden nugget. Yeah, there. They're not gonna, golden nugget. <laughs> we don't have like a time frame of whenever we're gonna do them, but we'll do them periodically throughout the seasons. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll try to make them kind of topical to the time of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, as best we can. Um, so you might hear some some whitetail stories uh, during whitetail season. You might hear fishing stuff during the summer, turkey stuff during turkey season, that sort of stuff. And you might even hear like like we were saying, just outdoor stories. Right. Um, like if you had an encounter with like a mountain lion or something. Like yeah, that. like, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Sure. <laughs> that is not well, cool. that wouldn't be cool. Not the, the actual <laughs> oh, encounter, but well, the as long as he can tell the story or right, right. she <laughs> or whatever, that's all I want to hear. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. What y'all think? I thought it went really good. Yeah, he had, he had a lot of stuff to say, and you know, it, it was a good episode. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, we started talking about one fish and got into the rest of them, and man, it was just. I don't know, just one of those things, how it happens, story after story, and each Some, one was just as good. Somehow got to floating on the Niangua, and all <laughs> kind of, like, Dan's a funny guy, yeah, he's he uh, he's got good stories, and uh, told us quite a few. Yep. Yep. The the main one being the River Red Horse, but, right. uh, the, you know, world record, the, no big deal. The state and world no record, yeah, which, by the way, has since been broken uh, by an 11-year-old in, I um, can't remember the name of the town, but in the same exact river, so yep. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of them in that river. It's probably like the perfect storm, you know, that that flows into the right setup. It's got the right setup for them to spawn. Yeah. So they. How long ago was it broken? I think it was 2018. 18. So the, that the kid's what 13 now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, somewhere I don't around there. Yeah. So that'd be another person to have on right uh-huh. there. Yeah, we could want to talk yeah. to see what his experience of catching them, y'all. If... Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I hear, that like, I think he's from that town where where Dan was saying. They take their redfish, just red horse fishing, right. seriously. Yeah. So you know that'd be kind of cool, you know, to have a community that you know. I told you getting ready to think too is that that's not a real wide known fish, but in that community, that's something they hold pretty right. I mean, near and dear. It, it sounds like, and yeah. we say that because we're up here. True. We don't know. That's true. Because I mean, that's further south or whatnot. And yeah, central part of the state. Central yeah. part. So I mean, we we That's don't true. know. Cause, I mean, like I'll be honest, I never heard of a river red horse until Nathan got a hold of me and was like, "Hey, just so you know, we're having the world record." And I was like, "What? What fish is that?" <laughs> I, I, I never like, heard of it. Google that shit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So I mean, it was. So I mean, I looked into it, and from what he says, they they sound. Like they taste delicious, so that's yeah. got me very intrigued. I want to yeah, try since they some. They taste a lot yes. like walleye. Yeah, which well, if anybody's ever had walleye, those things are delicious. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to give it a shot. Sure. Yeah, and this is what's cool about this. I mean, we you'd never heard of a red horse. We don't know, you know, how they fish down there, and you know, well, what what the community's like and that sort of stuff. And you have a little, at least a, a picture into the into that. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's what's cool about hearing these stories and. If you don't hear these stories, you don't have that that snapshot. Yep. So it's pretty cool. We enjoyed it. Um, hope you all do too, because that's kind of important. Yeah. Um, and we will holler at y'all later. Bye. Later. See ya.